welcome back to Throne of Chaos. We are your hosts, Kelsey and Autumn, and today we will be discussing Chapter 5 of Throne of Glass. As a disclaimer, we do not represent Sarah J. Mass or Bloomsbury Publishing. All thoughts and opinions about the series are our own. So the chapter begins with Selena, Kill, Dorian, Duke Parrington, and all the guards continuing their journey to Rifthold. Selena continues to think about how easy escaping would be if she wasn't surrounded by the royal guards. While waiting for lunch, Selena is visited by Dorian's dogs again and is thankful at least someone is glad for her company. She notes how, hung how hungry she is and gets aggravated at Kel when he's reluctant to remove her shackles from her wrist and moves them to her ankles instead. She tries to eat slowly because she doesn't want to get sick in front of the others. Honestly, she probably wasn't in any shape to be traveling. No, not at as all. As far as how feeble she is from being a slave for a year at Endovier, over her dead body, would she ever show that weakness? Oh, no. And it also shows just how extra cautious Kale is in this moment, which, I mean, he should be because she's literally dreaming constantly about killing him and escaping. Mm -hmm. So he's not that big of an idiot, I guess. Right. One point to Kale for that. So Selena takes in her surroundings, noting how Dorian's personality towards Parrington has changed since the previous night. He was all arrogance and amusement the previous night, but he is currently very grave and his whole body is tense with his jaw clenched every time Parrington spoke. She notes how their relationship isn't a cordial one. And the fact that Parrington was possessed by Val King the entire time really adds to these interactions. I mean, you can feel out the tension. The tension. They've got it. Obviously, Duke Parrington's his father's closest confidant. He doesn't trust his father, i.e. he doesn't trust Duke Parrington. Mm -hmm. And a part of his soul knows that this guy, something's not right, tries to stay away as much as he can. Is it because he's one of the nameless? Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> so mid-bite, Selena notes how the forest had gone silent and that even the dogs and soldiers noticed it though the dogs didn't seem bothered by the quiet and the soldiers were. Selena's heart skipped a beat. She notes how the forest is different here. She states that the leaves dangled like jewels, tiny droplets of ruby, pearl, topaz, amethyst, emerald, and garnet, and a carpet of such riches coated the forest floor around them. She notes that despite the ravages that had happened, this part of the Oakwall Forest remained untouched and that it still echoed with the remains of power that had once given these trees such unnatural beauty. So since she's listed a bunch of jewels, I decided to deep dive into the history and meaning of them. So up first is Ruby. Ruby gets its name from the Latin word ruber. It is one of four precious gemstones. Ruby is known as the gemstone of nobles and was used as the breastplate of high priest and adorned weapons. Ruby is the birthstone of July and used to commemorate the 40th anniversary of weddings. Ruby is believed to promote living, nurture, health, knowledge, and wealth. It has been associated with improved energy and concentration, creativity, loyalty, honor, and compassion. Ruby is thought to be protective of the home, possession, and family. And Ruby is said to stimulate the heart chakra and bring spiritual wisdom and shielding against psychic attacks. What sword is it that has a ruby in its hilt? Is it Damaris? 
maybe one of them has a ruby i was just thinking about i'll get back to you we will update in future episodes about with our ruby knowledge yes (laughs) and which sword has the ruby next up is pearl which fun fact have a niece named pearl so hi pearl so a pearl is a hard object found in the soft tissue of a saltwater or freshwater mollusk. They tend to be pale in color, shiny, and round. Since ancient times, pearls have been precious. Their meaning is centered around purity, balance, and inner wisdom. Often tagged as being gifts of grace and glamour, pearls also carry a luminous water energy and a sense of harmony as they are created in synergy with other living creatures. Pearls are celebrated for their wisdom and wonder, In mythology, it is a gift often gained through experience when one reaches a state of knowledge and understanding. In ancient Japan, they believed pearls to be the tears of mythical creatures, and in ancient Greece, considered them to be the tears of the gods. In Christianity, they have been called the tears of Eve. Next up, we have topaz, which is November's birthstone and symbolizes love and affection. It's believed to give the wearer increased strength and intellect. The ancient Greeks believed topaz could make the wear invisible. It is thought to calm anger and balance strong emotions. It was a symbol of honor and strength and was believed to bring longevity and wisdom. It is used to be ground into powder and mixed into wine for a good night's sleep. It was thought to have healing powers, reducing fevers, alleviating asthma, improving vision, and preventing premature death. If you dream of topaz, a problem you have been struggling with will soon be solved. Next up, we have amethyst. It's derived from the ancient Greek word, gonna butcher this, methistos, meaning sober. The birthstone of February and the gemstone for six anniversaries. It is said to prevent the wearer from becoming excessively drunk and instill sober and serious mind. The stone has been included in royal collections. Ancient civilizations prize the stone more than many gems, including sapphire and ruby. Amethyst is worn on bishops' rings. The stone is a symbol of St. Matthias. It was one of the 12 precious stones in the High Priestess Aaron's breastplate, and the 12th foundation of the holy city was built of amethyst. In Greek mythology, amethyst was a young virgin who became an object of wrath of the Greek god Dionysus. After Dionysus. He- Thank you, Percy Jackson. <laughs> of the Greek god Dionysus after he became intoxicated with red wine. When amethyst cried out to goddess Diana for help, she turned the girl into white stone. When Dionysus realized what he had done, he felt remorse and the tears dripped into his goblet of wine. The wine overturned and spilled onto the rock, turning it purple color of amethyst we know today. So up next is emerald. Emerald takes its name from the Sanskrit word marakata. I probably butchered that. I'm sorry, I don't speak Sanskrit. Which means the green of growing things which we can't think of a more poetic name for this stone of growth, love, and the power of rebirth. This stone is here to heal your heart, help you spring forth in fabulous, refreshed energy, and can bring all kind of goodness into your life. It has long been considered a hugely powerful gem. It has a certain energy and an aura that enchants the mind. Mythology and lore believed that the Clandalins were sure the goddess Ishtar was encased within the emerald stone. The ancient Egyptians believed that it was the amulet of rebirth and fertility, and the Incas believed that it was the stone that promised eternal life. Studded within the crown jewels of Russia, linked to the Greek goddess Venus, and even believed to be the material of the Holy Grail was made from, there are a thousand and one stories that shine out of the emerald. 
The emerald is believed to have healing properties and even in ancient times was worn by children of noble kin to keep them flushed in physical and mental finery. It is the stone of regeneration, renewal, and recovery. Lastly, we have garnet. It's a bright red fiery crystal of passion. It's thought to be one of the oldest crystals used for spiritual protection throughout history. Its name comes from the Latin granatum, meaning pomegranate, due to how the crystal represents the seeds of the delicious fruit. Garnet's also been called by other names, most commonly carbuncles, meaning fire coals, because the crystals always seem to be smoldering. The spiritual meaning of garnet is it is the embodiment of the energies of fire, passion, creativity, and strength. As one of the four elementals, the quality of fire exists at very high levels within the garnet crystals. Fire is the spiritual representation of transformation and transmutation. It has been used throughout history in alchemical procedures and other metaphysical practices for this reason. Garnet also represents the formation of passions. It's a common jewel to be worn by both men and women as a tool for increasing attraction and libido. Garnet harnesses the power of healthy sexual energies of deities such as Venus, Cupid, or Aphrodite. The power inside the garnet crystal is a natural remedy to increase circulation leading to the heightened sensitivity and desire during intimate moments. So garnets, garnet's a powerful crystal there. Finally, garnet is also the representation of strength and masculine energy and is applicable to all genders. Garnet can transform you into the strong, creative, passion person you always wanted to be. So now that we're done giving you a crystal talk, <laughs> <laughs> so back to the story, Selena talks about how she had been eight when Arabin Hamel, her mentor and the king of assassins, found her half submerged on the banks of the frozen river and brought her back to his keep that was on the border between Adderlin and Terrison. While training here to be his finest and most loyal assassin, she was never allowed to return home. Selena says, she never forgot the beauty of the world before the King of Adderlin ordered so much of it to be burned. She also says now there is nothing left for her there and there never would be. Selena also acknowledges that if she would have refused to train as an assassin for Arabin, he would have handed her over to the people who were trying to kill her or worse. She states that even as an orphan at eight years old, she knew staying with Arabin with a new name that no one would recognize, but someday everyone with fear was a chance to start over, to escape the fate that led to her leap into the icy river that night 10 years ago. So this is like our first hint of how Selena ended up being an assassin. We get a glimpse of the events that truly kicked off the series because everything stems from this one night 10 years ago. Right. So we learned that Selena was eight when she was found half frozen in an icy river. And this is truly one of probably the biggest hints that she's Aelin, as Aelin's fire powers would have helped to keep her alive. Also, we learn Elena helped keep her alive as well. Um, yes, we learned that Elena gave up part of her being to keep Aelin alive. Right. We learned that Selena was trained by the king assassin, Arabin, and he's basically a trash human being. But um, you will hear plenty about him when we get to Queen of Shadows. And Assassin's Blade, because he's all up in there. Honestly, I don't know. Well, for you, you had spoilers, but I don't know how I didn't figure out sooner who Selena really was. Mm -hmm. She tells you, 10 years ago, on this night, she was a child, 
Her whole family was killed. She was almost killed. She had to be taken in under an alias. She Literally never allowed to return home. Right. And we know she's from Terrison. Yes. We learned she's from Terrison. That's her home. What happened 10 years ago in Terrison? Okay. So how do... How did we not know? Like, Sarah's so good at, oh, here's this little slip of information in all of this information that I'm giving you. Knowing that there was an Aelin, but not knowing that Aelin was Selena, she did a very good job of confusing me as a person looking for Aelin in Selena, that there was so many moments where I was like, yes, it's her. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. So by the end, when I finally, by the end of Crown of Midnight, when we get that, like, she was Aelin, Ashiver Galathinius, Queen of Terrison. I was like, I knew it. <laughs> but I really struggled with that the entirety of the first two books. But also we see here that she had no choice but to become an assassin. She could either become this person or be turned over to the people who wanted to kill her. So from the very beginning, she doesn't have a choice Maybe, no, even when she gets older, she can't run away. She's She keeps trying to, the only time she tried to leave was with Sam. And but before that, that, she ended keeps up. trying to pay off her debt to him. Mm-hmm. And it's un, unpayable. Yeah. And he knows that and he sets it up like that. And it also makes me so he mad He didn't that even tell her. He made her do all this training and didn't tell her that she was going to have to pay him back for it. Well, it was his way to trap her. And well, yes. Her in. But it also... Makes me so much even more mad that she's judged for her choices by Kill, by Ren Osbrook, by Darrow. She had no other choice. For mm-hmm. one, she was a child, mm-hmm. an eight-year-old child that escaped from being murdered. She woke up in the blood of her parents and yes. was almost killed herself. So she had to make a choice, just like they've had to make choices all these years. I didn't see them running with the flag of Terrison saying hell yeah. to King Brandon and the Galathiniuses. Yeah. They all had to make choices. I don't get why she's judged so harshly for hers. Mm-hmm. The soldiers begin complaining about the forest and how the sooner it burned, the better, and how it's full of hate. Selena responds to them saying they shouldn't expect anything else and that it isn't just any forest. It's Brandon's forest. Another soldier says his father used to tell him stories about the forest and how it used to be full of fairies, but that they're all gone now, along with those damn wretched fae. Another soldier comments on how they got rid of them. Selena tells them to watch their tongues and that King Brannon was fae, and Oakwalk still belongs to him and that she wouldn't be surprised if the trees remembered him. One of the soldiers responds that the trees would have to be 2,000 years old. Selena states that they are immortal, to which the soldier responds, trees ain't. We see Selena has a healthy respect for King Brandon, his realm, his forest. She believes in the Fae and the fairies. She respects them, and she's offended that the soldiers are talking the way they are about it. I mean, which makes sense because that's like her great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather, and right. she is part Fae. We also find out about this, that the Fae and fairies that they know of are gone from the forest. They're no longer there. Or so they think. So Kale, curious but not mocking, asks Selena what she knows about the forest. Selena replies, Before Otterland began its conquest, this forest was cloaked in magic, and that's all she knows. The soldiers are disappointed to see that they don't have anything else to mock her for, so they return to their mills. 
But Selena lied, and Kill knows that she did. Selena knows plenty about the forest, knew of the denizens of this place, had once been fairies, gnomes, sprites, nymphs, goblins, and more names than anyone could count or remember, all ruled by their larger, human-like cousins, the immortal Fae, the original inhabitants and settlers of the continent, the oldest beings in Aurelia. I think it's important to note that the Fae were there first. When you talk about Akatar, mm -hmm. they're like, before the Fae came here, there was humans. Not in Akatar. In Midgard. In Midgard. Right. So in Midgard, you talk, they talk about how the humans were on Midgard first, and the Fae and the Shifters, who were also Fae, came later. Like, right. all these other creatures came later. But when you talk about Aurelia, the Fae were there first, and the humans came later. So it's interesting to figure out how did all these people get here. We learned that the king hunted down and executed the fairies and Fae, so they fled, seeking shelter in the wild, untouched places of the world. We also learned that the king had outlawed magic, fairies, and fae, and removed any trace so thoroughly that even those who had magic in their blood almost believed it had never really existed, Selena herself being one of them. The king's excuse was that magic was an affront to the goddess and her gods, that to wield it was to imitate their power. Within a month of his proclamation, magic disappeared on its own accord. Okay, there's a lot to unpack in that. One, from the get-go, we learned Selena has magic in her blood. She was one of those beings who was magical. She was from Terrison. The king came. He made a proclamation, basically committed genocide, got rid of everyone who had magic. The fairies, the fae, they fled. I'm thinking to Windland or Dornell, one mm -hmm. or the other. No one knows why the magic actually disappeared from the land. They just all believe it just disappeared because the king made this proclamation. Yes. So every time I read this part, I think how awesome like a prequel book would be where we got to learn about the fae and the fairies that lived in Aurelia. And I would just want, I just want a book about the ancient times. I want to yeah. know more about Brandon and Mala, Mala and Mab and whomever this goddess is. Right. Because like in Akatar, they talk about the mother. Mm -hmm. And here in Aurelia, they always talk about the goddess. Right. So I just want to know who the goddess is. Selena thinks about how she can still smell the fires that rage for two years. The smoke of the burning books chock full of ancient, irreplaceable knowledge. Hear the screams of the seers and healers who were burned alive in the storefronts and sacred places that were shattered and desecrated and erased from history. We learned that many magic users who didn't burn at the stake ended up being prisoners in Endovir and they didn't survive very long. Selena thinks it's been a while since... She thought about the gifts she'd lost and how her abilities used to haunt her in her dreams and how, despite the carnage, she thinks the loss of magic was good. How it was far too dangerous for any sane person to wield. Her gifts might have destroyed her by this point. So I think it's important to note how terrified Selena is of the magic that she used to possess. And right. that's a huge theme when she get when we get to Air of Fire mm -hmm. and she has to learn how to wield those powers. Because... She never got a chance to tame her powers. No mm -hmm. one knew how to help her. She was the one with Mala's flame. Yes. And as a child, you're more prone to outbursts and mm -hmm. you get excited and you get mad and you get angry. And she would incinerate things in that moment. And this shows you, it doesn't mention what her power is yet, 
But obviously, it's something powerful and has the ability to destroy. Yes. And we also get, it's like a reverse Elsa moment. Like, when her emotions are out of control, her fire is out of control. Mm -hmm. And it's also important to note, Sarah loves a lost library. Like, a library that's been destroyed. And libraries play a huge theme throughout the SJM series. Mm -hmm. I find it interesting that they wiped out the healers considering Erwin needed killer magic. Right. Whatever plans he had, which he tells Irene in Kingdom of Ash, that everybody thought he was trying to kill her, but really he wanted to use her for something important. And Maeve has that healer, the owl, Mm -hmm. that she keeps as her personal healer as a defense against him too. So there goes that into play. I like to think that Jessica somehow got all these ancient books and preserved them. Uh, yes. It just, it makes me feel a little bit better. But I think a lot was smuggled out and I hope that the masters of the library got something out and that they somehow got away. We also see, I think it's important how in this moment, Selena's thankful not to have her gifts anymore. Yes. And she really doesn't accept them until she needs Rowan. (laughs) Selena thinks how she'll never forget the stories about Oakwald Forest. Legends of the Dark, Terrible Glen's and deep, still pools, and caves full of light and heavenly singing, but that these are now only stories and dangerous to speak about. She notes how the trees swayed in the wind with their long, bony arms around each other. Soon lunch was over, and the chains were back on her wrists, and they were back riding their horses. Selena's legs had become so stiff that Kale was forced to help her get back on her horse, and it was painful to ride. They traveled for the rest of the day, and Selena's chest felt tight until they left the shimmering glen far behind. Selena's body ached so bad that at the end of the day, she didn't speak at all during dinner and didn't dream once she fell asleep. One, they describe the forest in such detail that you can feel that it's alive and like there's power hidden there. Mm -hmm. But I also think it's important that the fact that Selena allowed for someone to help her get back onto the horse shows you just how much pain she was in and how tired she was at this point in the journey and how broken down her body is. Also, she's so emaciated and skinny. Her bones are protruding. She has no cushion and muscle there for riding the horse. I bet it was And they've been riding all day into the night. Yeah. And the the journey's two weeks from Endovir to Rifthold. Yeah, so So she's two weeks of that. It's two weeks of sleeping outside, camping, riding horses. Not easy, especially someone in her Mm -hmm. state. When Selena wakes up, she finds small white flowers laying by her cot in many infant-sized footprints that went in and out of her tent. She quickly wiped the footprints and puts flowers in a nearby satchel. Even though no one mentioned fairies, Selena still scanned the soldiers' faces for any hint that they might have seen something strange. Selena spends the rest of the day with sweaty palms and a racing heartbeat as they pass the woods. I imagine these fairies as cute little people. Something about them, they just seem so cute. Yes. Like little babies, even though they're grown. Yes. And this isn't the first time... Well, this is the first time we see the little people, but this isn't the last time we'll see the little people. Right. They follow Selena and honor her as Brannon's heir throughout the series. They fall, They even find her in Wendelin and take care of right. her in Wendelin, which I think is really cool. It's them paying their respects to the one they considered their true queen. Mm-hmm. She is the heir of Brannon. That's them showing their appreciation, their gifts to her as, as their queen. Also, they obviously aren't gone. Yeah, this proves that they are still still in the forest. 
They just know how to keep hidden. And she is absolutely terrified of anyone finding out about her true identity. Yes. And that they came to to visit her. Well, considering she's surrounded by the people who tried to kill her when she was eight. Right. I don't blame her. So, thoughts on this chapter? It was a short one, but important. We did a little gemstone deep dive there. (laughs) She she packed this short chapter full of so many hints and Easter eggs. We learn more about her past. We find out she's from Terrison. She escaped being murdered at the age of eight, which was 10 years ago. She was found by the King of Assassins, Erebon Hommel, and she has magic in her blood, which is a strong and dangerous power that she's afraid of, and she's glad that's gone. We also learned that the King outlawed magic and magic wielders, fays, fairies, shifters, seers. He hunted them down and executed. We learned that magic disappeared from the land, and no one knows why, and we get our first references of King Brannon of Terrison. He ruled over 2,000 years ago. And that the fairies, a.k.a. the little people, visited Selena and left her flowers while she slept. A little bit more information on Terrison. So it is located in the northernmost part of Aurelia. It's one of the largest kingdoms on the continent and founded by House Galathinius, which is Brannon of the Wildfire, and his wife and mate, Mala Firebringer. Brannon is from Windland. He was a bastard-born fae with significant power. And he stole the sacred sun stags from the Fae Queen Maeve and sailed west across the ocean to make a home for himself. His mate, Mala Firebringer, was the goddess of the sun. She took a mortal body to be with him and bore him a daughter, Elena, and other children we just don't hear about, who then married Gavin Havilliard and became the first queen of Otterlin. Terrison was the first territory to be conquered by the king of Otterlin because he knew how powerful Terrison was and he needed to knock out the power of the right. continent. If Terrison fall, then everyone else would certainly fall as well. Mm-hmm. And he murdered King Orlan Galathinius in his bed. The capital is Orinth and it was home to the royal family. It's where the libraries are that he burned. And other cities include Ilum, which is where Brandon first landed in Terrison. Ferranth, which is the second largest city where Elide's family are the lord and lady over. Not sure how this one is pronounced. Eldis, Surya, Rosamel, and Allsbrook, where Ren Allsbrook is from. The Lord of Allsbrook. So as for geography, it's mainly made up of old woods such as the Oakwald Forest and has mountains in the north. The south is made up of green flatlands that eventually yield to a rock arid coastline where the broad mouth of the Florine River snakes inland all the way into the city of Orinth. To the east is the North Sea, which leads to the Great Sea. Despite Otterland's ravages of conquest, Oakwald Forest does remain untouched. Personally, I think the king, Erwin, someone, I think they're scared of I think it's still too powerful for them to actually burn it. Right. And they're afraid of it in a way, so they just kind of don't touch it. They avoid it. Oakwald Forest separates Rosamel and Osbrook from Perinth and the Perinth Mountains. And all the cities are surrounded by mountain ranges the staghorns to the north, and the anasculus to the west. So, as always, please like and subscribe to our podcast on whatever listening platform you are using. And if you enjoyed it, please consider rating us five stars. You can reach out to us with any questions or concerns at throneofchaospodcast at gmail.com. And you can find us on Instagram at throneofchaospod. We would love to talk to you about all things SJM. Thank you so much for listening, and have a great day.